politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to crush the Fourth Reich. This is your time. This is your place. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today, Thursday, August 11th. And we are excited, um, not just because I am so thankful to you guys for making us within one day pretty much the number one selling hardcover nonfiction book in America, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial. Um, it is available for pre-order at trialsandexecution.com, not executions, so trials, plural, and execution, singular, .com. But make sure you also download there the first chapter a lot of you are asking me, man, I need ammo. I need ammo to give to my neighbor, my friend, uh, some of my family. It is the overview, the case, the opening argument of our trial we wanted to release right now because the supply chains are taking a while for the book to come down. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, we could move that up. We're going to have Steve Dace on a little bit later, my co-author, my friend, to discuss this in greater detail but I want to get into some of the news of the day. Freedom or fracture? That's where we're at. I believe we're at a crossroads. And I'm in a, I'm in a good mood because I feel like finally I do feel the Calvary. Now, I don't know if it's for the right motivation exactly and if it's headed in the right direction. But the point is, I think people finally get, yeah, this is not your grandfather's election year and election year issues, this is the Fourth Reich, the challenge will be ensuring that it's not jujitsued into the abyss. And I'm going to explain how that's happening, but I want to talk about kind of the overview of what we're seeing, people finally waking up, the pitfalls, and what we should be doing. First off, I'm also in a really, really good mood today because I have an amazing new sponsor, one of our own from the CR podcast, Blaze Family, QP Goat Soap. Okay, so this was a couple weeks ago. I was in a really rotten mood. It was, it was around that time I was kicked off of Twitter and everything. And at night, I remember taking a shower and I got this shipment from QP uh, Goat Soap. And it was the... It was just lush, the softest, heavenly smelling soap ever. And it really put me in a good mood. Why does this matter? It matters beyond the fact that they're the only conservative soap making company around. But if we want to create parallel economies, sanctuaries within red states, this is the quintessential American family story I want you guys to hear about. As you go, to qpgoatsoap.com and put in promo code Daniel for the best soap you'll ever, ever find. And by the way, by the way, did you know that Dove Soap is promoting the Rainbow Jihad everywhere? I'm sure they're promoting other stuff too. But it's like you can't run away from funding those who hate you for all of the vital products that you need. And this is what it's going to take. 
But I want to introduce you guys to the Pittmans. They're a Christian homeschooling family of entrepreneurs in Volusia County, Florida. And when I tell you entrepreneurs, you're not going to believe you're not going to believe it. I thought when I first got wind of this and I and I tried the soap ad, I thought it was a pretty large company, you know, not like Dove, but you know, wow, it's well-oiled. I didn't realize this is a 15-year-old boy with his mother in their country home backyard. Quinn Pittman, okay, listener to this show. He was about six years old. He told his parents, hey, I want to have goats. I want to make goat cheese. That's when they're going to move out to the country. He's very excited. For his ninth birthday, they finally got him two little Nigerian dwarf milk goats. And he became really attached to them. But not just attached to them, he started understanding how to milk them and what he could do with them. He watched YouTube videos how to make cheese. And actually worked really well. They had really good cheese. It's just very hard to market that as a profitable product just because um, as a sole proprietor, logistically, it's hard to you know keep the distribution, keep it fresh and everything. So Quinn and his mom, Dana, looked up some recipes, how to make soap out of goat milk. And after some trial and error, truly an American story here, they were shocked to find that the product they made was the best handmade soap they ever had. And from there, it became a business out of their countryside backyard. Quinn and Dana make the soap. Um, ben, who is you know the dad, he does the shipping. And 11-year-old Grace wraps the soap. So they're all involved in it. This all began with the dream of a very young homeschooling kid who studies classical education and the Bible, hunts and fishes. He could skin and prepare anything from a squirrel to a deer. Instead of playing video games, <coughs> video games, Quinn has become a goat herder. He loves nature and nature's God. Instead of planning for four wasted years of college, Quinn is planning how to grow his business and enhancing his farm life. So with that said, would you rather get your soap from Quinn and the Pittmans or would you rather go to the depraved Dove? I know your answer. If you want to support not just one of our own and a great product, it's like, it's delicious. And by the way, we've learned a lot now as we've gone through health and science and medicine recently. Um, God designed us to get everything from animals and nature and the nutrients in the milk are very good for your hair and your body, your skin. Um, and it's just it's just unbelievable. It smells heavenly. So go to qpgoatsoap.com promo code Daniel okay so guys what's not like the Pittman family is what you and I are up against the Fourth Reich I'm watching finally everyone realize that this is a different time and requires different tactics that's the good news it took the rating of Trump's home. I don't know why that was the impetus. Everyone's like, if they could do that, could you imagine what they what they could do to you? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, they could kind of kill you, inject you, criminalize your breathing, lock you down, mask every kid in school for an entire year for eight hours a day. Yeah, I mean, they could do a lot. Have you been asleep? But be it as it may, I'm going to take the good news that people are like, we're not going to accept the same GOP garbage. And it took me forever to convince people that Tim Scott was an idiot and a black supremacist rainbow jihad dude 
So finally, he spoke out and was like, yeah, well, let's investigate. Let's see the facts beyond the FBI. Didn't care. And now everyone's lit over him. Good. I've been warning about him forever. And by the way, the establishment has been pimping his book left and right, The Life and Times of a Rhino Loser. Um, but uh, we are actually ahead of him thanks to you guys ordering our book. But anyway, oh, and also just another interesting thing about Tim Scott. Tim Scott promoted criminal justice reform, police reform, but he meant it for the gangbangers to let out the gangbangers. We have over-criminalization in America. Then suddenly when it comes to the ultimate over-crim, which is the criminalization of human beings, the criminalizations of our breathing, the criminalization of our political views and opposition, suddenly he wants to be all judicious and slow. But welcome to your Republican Party. So people recognize we need to think beyond that. That is great news. We are at a crossroads where people realize this is war. And I think that's a good thing. By the way, in some ways, eclipsed by this is the seizing of the Freedom Caucus chairman Scott Perry's phone. I'll get to that a little bit more tomorrow. There's some more serious issues with what they did there um, that has constitutional problems as well. But then again, you know, the Constitution doesn't matter and never did in this country for many, many years. But this is what people are starting to wake up to. They're starting to recognize that. Some of my colleagues that I was like, dude, it's not a matter of inflation and taxing. And I was one of the first to say that the reconciliation bill wasn't about tax and spend like your grandfather is liberal. It's about the Fourth Reich. It's about literally ESG and pumping up the healthcare cartel and the green energy cartel to make sure that that is how you have to live. And then the IRS agents. And now that's gone viral. And they're all talking about the IRS agents. So the timing is actually perfect. And I'm sure many of you have seen put out yesterday. I forget who originated this find. But it turns out that they're hiring people to be uh, trained in guns and understand how to use ARs and everything. Gee, well, the FBI we know uses them. The IRS? Isn't that kind of like looking at tax returns? Yes, that is what they are planning. That is what the IRS is planning. By the way, they also have this international uh, joint chiefs of tax enforcement. I'll talk about that you know, a little bit later tomorrow if we have time. But they have an office in the IRS to work internationally. Think about how this is being done internationally to track, trace your finances so it's going to basically cut you off from living wherever you are. They can call in airstrikes globally. So we are at the precipice. But we have to understand what they are planning. And again, we have to understand that they already are doing it with healthcare and medical freedom and COVID and the next iteration, which is a freaking genocide. And we need a medical freedom bill of rights, a digital privacy bill of rights immediately. We need state sanctuaries. That is the solution. State and county sanctuaries. They have the power now. So people are starting to get our theme, hearings are not enough, which is good. But again, we have to make sure it doesn't get jujitsu. And by the way, our other sponsor today 
Speaking of the IRS learning how to train, they they teach them how to how to use guns. Not the typical police officers. They don't train them much. But the federal agents, they make sure to train properly. You need to be trained properly. Uh, most people own a gun, carry a gun. Do you know how to properly draw from a holster and win a gunfight? Very few gun owners do. That's why Rick Green of our friends at Patriot Academy are hosting another round of their constitutional defense courses out in the NRA Whittington Center in the beautiful mountains of Colfax County, New Mexico, beautiful country. The the dates we have now are September 25th to September 29th and October 2nd to October 6th. It's a four-day course. It is so much fun. You will never be more proficient in a handgun after that. You'll meet the best patriots around, great scenery, great weather, great camaraderie. Um, it is basically we learn about the Constitution at night, and we're out on the range, outdoor range, all day. So join Rick Green and Patriot Academy on September 25th or the October 2nd course. Find out all the details by registering at patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. That's patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. Spots are limited, by the way, because this venue is smaller than uh, their previous venue. Uh, so register today. And and uh, just so you know, we have a lot of listeners in Texas. Patriot Academy is hoping next year to have their own range somewhere in central Texas near where they're based. So that way they could actually house people in a facility, make it much more cost effective, will be funded by donors. So definitely watch for that next year. Okay. What do I mean quintessentially? By what we're up against. What the Fourth Reich is. Remember I described yesterday. The Fourth Reich at its core. Is if Hitler would have had. Minions like him in every single Western country. But not just the government. But every private corporation. Media. And cultural institution. Medical institution. Everything. Public private partnership in every country. Oh and he would have had the technology we have in 2020. That, my friends, is what I mean by the Fourth Reich. Speaking of Germany, this is from the Berliner Beitung, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, newspaper. Corona Warn app vaccination status will be recognized by color. Federal Health Minister Karl Lauterbach defends his controversial corona plans for the fall. And notice in America also, they're talking about that they're going to bring back more stuff every fall. Remember, between the flu, monkeypox, corona, and anything else they invent, there's criticism above all of the plan to exempt only newly vaccinated people from the mask requirement. Essentially, what they're going to do is they're going to have an app where let's say a restaurant, a store, they have a, someone stationed there and they swab you, they, they scan you as if you're like a bag of celery in, in a grocery store, okay? And it will be color-coded. If it beeps red, it means you're not, you didn't have, not just didn't have the shots, but didn't have enough shots, four or five by that point, and at which point they'll say, you have to wear a mask, 
If not, it will be green, and for now you can come in without a mask. Okay? And if you read the article, there's criticism above all of the plan to exempt only newly vaccinated people from the mask requirement. It seems like they don't have a problem that you're tethering one illogical, inhumane, immoral, and illegal act to another. One that is negative, effective, and all pain and no gain, and proliferates pathogens and causes other bodily harm, unless you get the other thing that causes bodily harm and doesn't help. Think about, think about this. We thought we repudiated masks. New Zealand, Japan has masked up the wazoo. They have more cases than anyone in the world. Doesn't matter. No amount of facts have mattered. They're not bothered by that. They're just saying, well, the vaccinated shouldn't be exempted. I mean, everyone should have to wear a mask. So they don't have a problem with the vaccine mandates. They don't have a problem with the mask mandates. They don't have a problem with the fact that the government now has an app to engage in an apartheid of the most basic goods and services based on not getting a kill shot. It just don't exempt the vaccinated from the mass mandate. This is the German media. Lauterbach sticks to his plan, defends the new Infection Protection Act, and affirms, if vaccines that protect against infection are available in the fall, they should also be beneficial for those who have been vaccinated. You cannot do without a mask in the interior in the fall. An exception would be justified for those who have just been vaccinated. Just been vaccinated. So it will beep green if you've just been vaccinated, maybe defined as within two, three months or whatever. Think about that. Human beings are no longer fit to be indoors in the fall and winter without a mask. This is not South Korea. This is not China, although the technology, this you know green-yellow light thing with the app came from China. This is in Germany. This is the Fourth Reich. Right? They had to root out the Jews, and some were able to hide and run away. You can't run away from this. Uh, um, this is unbelievable. However, if too many people make use of this exemption, we would change the rule and close the exception. So that's like the only controversy. Otherwise, they like everyone will have to wear a mask. This is now. Now we could say it's only Germany, but you look at it; they already have the technology here. It will already be done in blue cities right off the bat. Where is the outcry? We know they've done this already. I can't think of anything more severe to do to a human being than that. None of that. The mask, the vaccine, and the digital tracking like a QR code, even if these things were amazingly effective and safe products, would be utterly mind-blowing. Certainly the fact that they are genocidal products. And I still don't hear the outrage. Look, if, it's, if the Trump raid is going to you know, allow us to go after this, then fine. But we have to make sure we're not just targeting the FBI. The CDC is still more consequential to our life. And by the way, the CDC will use the FBI to go after us on this. By the way, at the same time, Germany is passing a self-determination act. Which means that anyone 14 years and over will be allowed to legally change their gender and first name once a year. 
I guess they could flip back and forth. And it's going to be punishable by law to not refer to someone by their preferred pronouns. You bet your bottom dollar that this red-green system will encompass that as well. So in other words, if you have flagged, you're not a tranny, you're not into BLM, you're not into green energy, whatever, you said something critical of Zelensky or Ukraine. Whatever the new current thing is, which they will strategically drop at any given moment and prepare to ensnare you in it, they're going to do this. We what, what COVID, one of the important things about understanding COVID fascism and the rise of the Fourth Reich is our whole life we were accustomed to thinking, and I myself certainly felt this way, oh, those are the Europeans. Yeah, that's, that's the way they roll. In America, this can never happen. What we've learned is that is no longer true, especially starting in the blue cities, but really to a large degree everywhere. And if they only went to 7 out of 10 levels of Europe yesterday, they're going to come back for 8, 9, and 10 tomorrow as Europe moves on to 11, 12, and 13. That's what we're seeing consistently. This is what we're fighting. Calling for a Nuremberg trial, Nuremberg commission, Nuremberg code, reaffirmation of law and policy. And again, it is part and parcel with what we're seeing with the FBI and the IRS and DHS and January 6th, criminalizing our existence, criminalizing our political beliefs. It's two sides of the same coin. This is what the Fourth Reich is, but with the technology is unbelievable. That technology, we need criminal penalties against anyone who uses it with cause of action and discovery written into law so we could track down who is using it. That technology needs to be destroyed with the with salt plowed over that land. I don't see any urgency to act. The digital stuff is big and we need to really be working on that. That is, my friends, the Fourth Reich. Now, there's a lot of other stuff on the genocide statistics. We'll call it our daily genocide statistic roundup of the shots. Um, but one thing I did want to make sure I get to before bringing on Steve is this political article. So everyone's all like, man, we're not going to accept failure from the GOP anymore. I'm talking about the more conservative but sometimes off-topic type of talk show host figures, elected officials. Okay. So finally, these idiot Republicans realized, hey, it's not those poor souls, your poor army veteran that is locked up in solitary confinement on January 6th and you don't care. They're coming for you. They're, they're going after the congressman. They're basically saying that anyone who didn't swear allegiance to the stolen election is a criminal now. It's unreal. But then again, it's not because they're saying anyone who doesn't wear a mask is a criminal. So we should have realized that two and a half years ago. There's a political article out, Meet the GOP's Future King of Biden Investigations. James Comer. Okay, he's a Republican congressman from, um, what do you call it, uh, Kentucky. And he's going to be the chairman. He's the ranking member. He's going to be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee. Okay. So they tried to do a, um, a write-up on him, and they interviewed him in person. 
On a human on a humid sunbeat day, Comer's pledge to take the Biden administration to task only received a brief mention in a speech at this year's fancy farm panic picnic. It's a famous picnic they have out in uh, the western part of the state. Um, my committee will be the main obstacle between the Biden socialist agenda and the U.S. Constitution. So right away, the Biden socialist agenda doesn't really even define where we're headed. Um, he's a self-described redneck. Yeah, 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 right. Comer is a self-described redneck. Yeah, well, it, it, that, that's the posturing they do. But, um... They talk about his, you know, being well-suited for the job. If he does it right, it could provide a launching pad for higher office. He has not uh, discounted a future bid for Senate or governor. By the way, next year, see, they hold an election a weird year in 2023. I already have my candidate, Savannah Maddox, she is like the female version of Thomas Massey. She's from his district. She's the most conservative member of the House of Representatives there. She had all the medical freedom bills. She is running for governor, so watch out with that. Anyway, this is a quote from him. I'm not going to be chasing some of these right-wing blogs and some of their conspiracy theories, Comer told Politico in an hour-long interview. So he's sitting down for an hour with Politico. You know where he's coming from. We'll look into anything, but we're not going to declare a probe or an investigation unless we have proof. Now, yeah, we all agree with that, but but when he says that, you know exactly what it means. It means the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time that matter. So they might, with COVID, and, and I could already see it, they'll limit it to an inquiry into the nursing home treatment, which is really as horrific as it was. It's really a side point to the entire Great Reset genocide of what they're doing. He'll never go after vaccines, no matter how many millions, tens of millions will wind up dying from them. By the way, I don't know if we'll have time, but the monkeypox vaccines, holy smokes, out in the open, you just take CDC's own data and writings on it. It's genocidal. This is the world we live in now doesn't exist to this guy. So we have to watch out. They're going to be very careful about manipulating right wing talk radio to jazz them up with broad platitudes. But if you watch carefully, they'll they'll say, oh, the FBI, remember the lowest learner hearings? Whatever came of the IRS? Whatever came of them? Republicans in later years, by the way, wound up increasing their budget again in um, under Trump. Ironically, under Obama, they did succeed in cutting their budget a little bit, retaliation. They, they wound up expanding it under Trump in those crazy omnibus bills that he signed, a few of them. I wrote about it at the time. Nothing ever came of it, and, and it's going to be a big black hole. What they do is they jujitsu our energy into a black hole, and you cannot allow that to happen. Okay? So he wants to be a respectable investigator. That is a huge red flag. And by the way, he is the House Oversight Chairman. You could imagine if they, I mean, the House Republicans look like the Founding Fathers compared to the Senate GOP. Forget it. I mean, this is the more conservative group. Which is why the main focus is going to have to be sanctuary states, sanctuary counties, governors, attorneys general, state legislatures, county officials. And that's the blueprint we lay out at the end of our book in a very long chapter, the most extensive blueprint of what needs to be done to restore medical freedom, privacy, but all of that stuff, 
addresses the FBI stuff, the criminalization of politics, um, the ESG stuff, all of it, because it all has its source in COVID fascism. Now, speaking of every major issue flowing from COVID fascism, I want to bring on here my colleague, my friend, my brother in the foxhole, and now my co-author, Steve Dace, and why we wrote this book and how it speaks to the time we live in. Because, folks, again, they don't fear, people don't fear racism. They don't fear global warming, despite what they tell a pollster to virtue signal. They don't fear Russia. They don't fear January 6th. People aren't stupid, and they know conservatives couldn't put together an insurrection if they tried. But what they do fear are communicable diseases, and that we've learned. And that is why that was the palladium of the Fourth Reich. It doesn't mean there aren't other threats other than medical, the th- you know, biomedical t- tyranny. Doesn't mean that. You got ESG. You got criminalization of politics and political views and political enemies and dissidents. You got the food supply, energy supply. But at the end of the day, people don't fear fossil fuels. What they needed to do to foist this upon us was make people afraid. And it shows. It shows. It shows in the polling data. When you look, the bottom line is, I think now it's kind of dividing more along right-left. But initially, the majority, I would say, majority of self-described conservatives did buy into this. So that is why we need to uproot this again you go to trialsandexecution.com, not just to order pre-order the book, but to download the first opening chapter. Steve, thanks so much for flipping the script today and being my guest on my show today. You bet, brother. And I, I just want your audience to know, um, this is the only podcast I don't do that I make a point of trying to get to at least a few minutes of every episode uh, as, I, as, as much as I possibly can. So I can't give you a better compliment than that, brother. So good to be here. Well, well, Steve, I know between the two of us, we have the best audience in the world. It keeps us on our toes. They send really smart emails, very incisive. Uh, you and I can't BS our audience. They'll, they'll see it right away. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure this one out. I want to start here today. Am I misjudging people? Am I missing a certain point? Why do I perceive that people are not absolutely red-pilled about what has happened and continues to happen with COVID fascism as much as they are about the more banal political stuff, as grave as the implications are of the raid on Trump and the seizure of Scott Perry's phone? But And, and I'm very happy, as I mentioned at the opening today, I'm very happy that finally people are, are like, yeah, this is beginning to look a little bit like the Fourth Reich. Mm-hmm. Um, but but why is it that to this day, let me let me say this. For example, I'm seeing things almost verbatim like, you know, if they, if they could raid Trump, what could they not do to us? And it's literally what you and I were saying. Well, if they could gag our mouths and destroy our lives like what like did were you asleep yes uh is the answer and first of all there is 
a growing audience that has been sufficiently red pilled. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have the number one political book in the country right now, six months before its actual release. And, and we certainly didn't, you know, uh, garner that, you know, we have our, uh, our, our patriarch here at the blaze, Glenn Beck and his audience, you know, 10 million listeners has a, a lot to, to do with that success. But, you know, we didn't do the car wash of interviews on uh, Fox news. Uh, we didn't get on CBS news this morning. Like, uh, Tim, somehow I'm another South Carolina Senator, uh, who is, is middle-aged or older and couldn't find a wife. <laughs> Amazingly Scott. Okay. Um, you know, we didn't, we did we're not, you know, we've got to generate our own heat either through associations like what we have with Glenn or organically through our audiences. And so the system is not lining up to give Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz advantages while CPAC in Dallas was going on. And I again was not invited. I did get invited to go speak at Calvary Chapel Church in Chattanooga over the weekend. We had over 5,000 people come to that. I guarantee that's a much bigger crowd than CPAC in Dallas, but it's also kind of off the books, right? It's off the beaten path. It's not the focus of a lot of legacy of any legacy media and even a lot of conservative media. And so there is a rising tide here. And the success of this book six months before its release is proof of it. But your point still stands. And it really comes down to, uh, you know, the old saying, you are what you eat. Uh, you are what you learn. You are what you know. No one can rise above their own worldview. The reality is there are some incredibly, um, you know, beneficial uh, successful names in our industry who completely face planted during COVID-19 completely face planted, completely face planted over these poisonous jabs. And to go back and, and, and to be honest about that and to highlight that who openly, you know, without the humility of understanding, uh, there is a God and you are not him uh, outside of that, who, who seeks humility, who seeks transparency and accountability not many. And so I think that the, this, is a, this is an easier watershed moment with all the same elements at play, uh, just transfer from the NIH and CDC to the FBI and to the magistrate system. But it's the same game. Uh, and it's a, it's a name that, you know, everybody, a lot of people have made a lot of money glomming onto, promoting, talking about. Um, and it's not even about Trump personally or his agenda. It's just that he's the face of the Republican Party now, and Mitt Romney was before, and John McCain was for, before. And that's how you get Sean Hannity, who was backing John McCain, backing Mitt Romney, and backing Donald Trump. One of these things is not like the other. The other two men hate one, and one hates the other two, and they have all have Sean Hannity in common. How is that possible? Because he's Sean Hackity. That's why. Hackity hack. Don't come back. These guys, we're just playing a playbill here. And and so what fits into our Overton window, what what aligns with our career objectives, what maintains our branding? You know, you asked a question on your podcast Monday, putting a tweak on a tweet that I had put out. Uh, and I like the tweak that you added, which was at what point will conservative will the conservative movement care more about its future than a, than an ephemeral talking point, or I might even tweak it further and say, uh, you know, uh, your next speaking engagement, uh, your next, uh, you know, the, the, your next, uh, you know, uh, top 10 video on YouTube or, or hash mark on Twitter. Uh, we are playing for real stakes here. These are existential stakes. Nothing less than an entire civilization is at stake. And so we've got two big problems working against us here. The comfort and, and, and the and the comfort of a lot of our potential audience now it's they're getting more radicalized so you and I should be encouraged by that but it's not radicalizing enough and not fast enough 
too, still way too much comfort. Uh, wait till Trump gets in and we'll clean this up. Uh, that first of all, that's if they even allow him to get on the ballot, because that's what this is designed to do. They're going to they're going to indict him. They're going to arrest him. They're going to try to say because he's an indictable uh, a person, he's not eligible to get on the ballot. That's what this is all about. But even if the, even if he uh, you know overcomes all of that and you are talking about the ultimate Teflon Don here, it, he wouldn't take the oath of office or a Ron DeSantis for two and a half years. <laughs> Daniel, we're not even two and a half years into the Biden presidency and look how much damage has been done. OK. And so I, I just think that there's there's two elements here that there's too many people that would be potential consumers to understand this who are too comfortable and, and don't want to accept the notion of what's really at stake. Uh, and then I think that uh, they, they go to places and have been fed by places that feed that comfort and offer them the low-lying fruit, ephemeral talking points as you describe them. Uh, so they, they, they get their 20 minutes in for you know superstar A and, and superstar B. They owned the libs. They did something for America. They got outraged on their drive to work you know, and then back to zombie land. And that's the problem. Why do you think I was wrong when we initially had the conversation – about writing a book, and I pushed back, and I said, I don't want it to be a distraction from my day-to-day -day work. I feel like we live in a uh, an era where you have late-breaking news every second. It's very dynamic. It's more important what I do day-to-day. -day. I don't want to spend time to put together a book when I feel I could just kind of hit this day-to-day -day as needed. That was my original concern mm -hmm. about investing time into this work. Why do you feel I was wrong? I just think, you know, what works so well with our relationship is is we have similar strengths and complement one another's weaknesses, okay? And so I am a broader big picture guy. Uh, you are a hardcore ideologue. You also often see the big picture, and I can also be a hardcore ideologue, but I start first with what is the grand scheme here. Uh, you start first with how do we crack the nut of this problem? And so I, I when I when it saw I don't think I've even said this on my show, so I'll tell your audience where my idea for this book came from is, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, listening, catching up on your podcast over the weekend about six, seven months ago. And I, I, I think it was the Teresa Long interview uh, or uh, might have been. I can't remember. It was a couple of these whistleblowers. And I mean, I was just devastated listening to this. Um, and I I get in the shower the following Monday to come in and do my show and. It's where I get a lot of my inspirations because one of the few places uh, in times during the day that I'm quiet and it's quiet around me. <laughs> and, you know, it just dawned on me. These are devastating stories. And and this level of suffering that th these are stories that deserve to be told because we, we are in a different epistemological place. And for those who don't know what that you know, big word means, it just means how do we know what we know is true? The study mm. kind of knowledge and truth. OK. We are in a different epistemological place than we were in every previous generation in the West. In the in previous in the West, here is how persuasion worked. Everyone agreed that there was objective truth claims. Even Ayn Rand, who was a virulent atheist, okay, uh, she eventually came to the conclusion that some things in the universe have to be objectively true. So she started her own philosophy and called it objectivism. All right, every generation prior to this one accepted that something has to be objectively true. That science discovers things; it doesn't conjure them. All right, Newton did not conjure gravity. He discovered it. It was there all along. OK, Franklin did not conjure electricity. He discovered it. OK, uh, that there are these things are preexistent truths. And so you everyone would acknowledge that you might have different opinions on what those things are and then what they demand from us. 
And then you would make your argument, though, based on that objectivity, and then you would close it with the emotional appeal, the personal testimony to try to add further pathos and weight to the conviction of your argument. That was sort of the epistemological path of every previous generation of the West. We have flipped that paradigm completely now. We are post-postmodernism. And as my assistant Todd likes to say, we are post-argument in the culture. Everything now is emotional. Everything now is testimonial. And if you cannot relate with people on that level first, then you never make it to the next realm of making an objective truth claim. And so that's why I talk a lot about, you know, when we, whenever the life issue comes up, my own personal story with my mom at 15, deciding whether or not to have an abortion. I mean, I have clubbed and hammered that thing into the ground throughout the course of my career, but I have done it. So you can, so I, I want people to see, I, I understand these are personal and difficult decisions. We did not have a good life. We lived on welfare, ADC, government cheese. It was hard being a single mom at 15. Okay. I don't want to make it seem, I don't want to overly romanticize it. Now she would say 49 years later, I'm the best mistake she ever made. But see, by sharing that testimonial first, I'm going to overcome the objection that I'm just a coercive force trying to dominate your uterus. And if my, and if my testimony doesn't do that, then I know you're unpersuadable and it's time for me to move on. And what I saw in the interviews that you were just beginning to do at this point was that kind of potential, the kind of potential to take what Todd and I put together with Fauci and Bargain, which just shocked us completely. It became a number one bestseller and, and no one saw that coming. Okay. And it was really just a compilation of a year's worth of shows we had done with a bunch of data um, in kind of punchy, a punchy format uh, with more endnotes. We had more footnotes than we had pages in that book. All right. And, and, and but but I saw the potential with the stories that you were uncovering to take the the confrontation to another level. All right. You have to reconcile with these people. How you, you, you. All right. Hey, we're making this up. This stuff didn't happen in the hospitals. Then explain her story. Explain his story. All right, we're making it up. This stuff didn't happen in the military. Then explain their story. All right. You know, over the years, the you know, you, there are two groups of people. Well, there was one group of people our media always pretended didn't exist. Former homosexuals never existed. And I've interviewed over a dozen of them in my career. People that uh, had a religious conversion, realized God had a better plan for them than that level of depravity and left it behind. But the media doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to tell those stories. So they just act like former homosexuals don't exist. We have a new crowd now. All right, just like just like former homosexuals, vaccine injured people yes. don't exist. Okay. Yes. And because they and you, and the reason why they do that memory holding is you can't overcome the power of the personal testimony. You can't overcome that. Yes. And, and there's no and there's no way you can debate it without looking like a douchebag, right? And so to me, I just saw you were you you were going to these whistleblowers in Daniel Horowitz fashion. I want to get to the nut. I want to I want to crack the nut of this story and get to the hardcore kernel of truth. I took a step back and I saw a broader vision of what compiling this volume of stories would do to devastate um, what we've been up against. And so that's that's where I came up with the idea for the book. And that's what bothers me about the lack of empathy I see on the part of some of these Teletubby. Uh, I don't, I don't want to use the word even grifter. They're earning a living. I don't think they're they're being dishonest most of these right. people some of them are but the teletubby rogue guys at some point you got to get your heart in it um you know people think i'm pretty smart and knowledgeable um i don't know because it's hard to tell in this industry i think a lot of people are particularly not very bright so maybe i stand out by by providing so much information and facts 
but it's the heart that the last year I've been trying to offer more that has changed me as a person. I was getting emails for a number of years, and you probably were too, about people talking about being injured from the shots, from mm-hmm. you know all sorts of shots, whether it's DTAP or MMR or you know one of the other twenty trillion they have. And I was like, I was very apathetic. I was like, eh, I don't know, you know, whatever. You know, this is not happening. It's not happening. I, I would know about it. I would know. Well, right. I took the, I took the shots, and I didn't have problems. Although it's funny when I, you know, because we're seeing this cognitive dissonance now too. When I think about it, two out of my four got the full blown measles from the MMR. They were miserable for for a week when they were babies. Two out of four. They say it's like one percent, but two out of our four did. Now, assuming that's not systemic, it's just temporary. But, you know, it's funny because you speak to some people, yeah, I'm not injured. And then you kind of talk to them. They kind of war. But this opened my eyes. Oh, my gosh. Now I know why I didn't see it. Because of the Fourth Reich. And there is no empathy. And you have to seek that empathy. And now my question to you, Steve, is what is it going to take? The data we have on the monkeypox stuff is like it's freaking nuts. One of them is ACAM mm-hmm. 2000 is one of the two available. It has a rate. This is CDC. Um, where is this from CDC? Myocarditis also occurs with ACAM 2000. Estimated rate of 5.7 per 1,000 primary vaccinees based on clinical trial data. But the underlying mechanism is unknown. Steve, that's 1 in 175. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's from CDC's page on ACAM 2000. It's the monkeypox one. And then, I mean, I'm not going to bore everyone with the data. I want people to hear from you. I'm just going to say we have the latest nrsscotland.gov UK weekly statistics. If you juxtapose death to birth, okay, you want to talk about population control. Well, those are the two angles, two ends of the stick to do it on. There were 4,848 deaths registered in June 2022, an increase of 9.7% compared to the average of about 4,400. Then there were 3,785 births registered in June 2022, a decrease of 12% Hmm. from the average. And births are very consistent in the same month per year, June of 2020 versus June 2022. Dude, I mean, the statistics we're seeing now are blowing out the ones we saw when we started writing the book. There's three things I would say in response to what you just pointed out. Um, There's a guy on Twitter who's developed a cult following, and our CEO, Tyler, has definitely become one of his disciples, (laughs) uh, ethical skeptic, okay? And, I mean, ethical skeptic communicates at a level above me. I often have to read three, four, five times what he is saying to truly decipher it. But one of the the more devastating or intriguing uh, data things he's come out with is where the the bulk of VAERS reports come from. Okay, and with a couple of exceptions, almost all of them come from basically red states, which prompts a few interesting questions. And and and, and a lot of people have gone to, you know, uh, and I don't blame them at all. I think you should put every sinister um, motivation possible on the table here after the last 28 months. But I think there might even be a more sinister explanation than they gave, uh, you know, certain uh, more harmful doses to people they don't like in a depopulation scheme or they. You know, um, uh, they they just gave, you know, uh, something simple that wasn't the actual vaccine to the people that they do like. I think it could be even more basic and more sinister than that, which is I think that people in these blue states are so cultically devoted to this biomedical fascist Mm. state that they won't report an injury 
because yes. they count it as joy to suffer for the name. They don't want to they don't want to dissuade you from getting it. And they were glad to donate their bodies to their religion of science. And so they just say nothing because they don't want to be a disappointment. It's the it's the it's the it's the it's the kid in the church who was abused by the priest and doesn't say anything for years because everybody loves the priest and he doesn't want to bring down the entire church. <laughs> and so it just goes on and on and on and on. I think I think I think that is the most likely if you look at the slavish devotion uh, you know, Ryan Long, the comedian, came up with, I thought, a phenomenal uh, satire a few months ago. Hey, I hate corporations except Pfizer. They can do whatever they want to me, right? Okay. Uh, you know, corporations are terrible. They pollute. They're awful. They pay subsistence wages. Uh, they pay women less. Uh, but uh, everybody except Pfizer. Pfizer's great, and they can inject, inject me and jab me as many times as they want. Uh, so I do think you're looking at a spirit of the age level of religion. It's almost like the Jewish ritual of circumcision from the times of Abraham. That is your mark yes. of of, yeah. of a descendant of Abraham on the eighth day. This is what you do. Correct. And I could tell you as you're talking, I'm thinking I get tons of emails from people that will talk about relatives that they, they were like, you know, 30 years old, get a heart attack, smashed from it, and they, they still don't recognize it. And before you go on, I want to comment you, um, it's because I can't respond anymore. I have an anonymous Twitter account where I could at least view tweets, so I don't uh, uh, respond to it. But I saw you put out, you're like, for, for the love of God, why? Why can we answer the question of how someone else not getting the shot? affects you mm-hmm. you have the protection and i was thinking the answer to that is yes but if there are people around that don't have the shot you are angering the gods and and therefore that protection right. will be attenuated if you're in the back of the line there in the valley of ben Hinnom to throw your baby into the fire to malok and they and, and all of a sudden the drummer stops gets tired with his arms and takes a break and you start to now you can hear those babies cries and screams that you couldn't hear when the drums were beating. And so you're like, you know, maybe this is a bad idea. Everybody in front of you in the line looks at you as you start to back out and say, hey, you're the reason that my wife won't be fertile next year. You're the reason that my crops won't come through next fall. Stay in line. That's what you're describing. Yes, a cult. That's exactly what you're describing. And and, and I also think people haven't come to grips with, because of, because of the, the data has been denied and it hasn't been made plain to them. I, I go to the conversation we had with Glenn yesterday. And, you know, Glenn asked me to quantify my belief that what has transpired here is worthy of a Nuremberg-like trial and Nuremberg-like executions. And I took him to Channel 7 in Australia. Channel 7 in Australia is one of their main channels. They did a story just last week. So Australia, by law, has to remunerate vaccine injured. So they have to have some form of an accurate reporting system, some form of it. You and I would probably claim that it's still vastly underreported, but they have to have something that is objectively quantifiable by law uh, and, and, and is far more intense than theirs because the government is on the hook for who's in that database. And so, so far, the government of Australia has paid out 79, over 79,000 claims for serious adverse effects to the COVID vaccines. They have injected about 21 million people in the country with those vaccines. When you do the math, that's almost exactly the IFR, the infection fatality rate for COVID. It's about 0.3%. We have injected 5.3 billion people with those vaccines. If we just take the limited data we have from Australia and prorate that globally, you're talking about over 1.6 million seriously adverse affected people. And, and, And oh, by the way, that same Channel 7 in Australia, 
the next week, just a few days ago, they ran a story about how the government now is urging you to keep a defibrillator in your home. You know, they have this sudden rise of people just dropping with uh, serious heart ailments in the home. And so now we, they're, they're, they're dispersing at-home defibrillators. I'm sure that's a coincidence. But back to the 1.6 million people, you bet your ass. You bet your ass killing 1.6 people or maiming 1.6 people or giving them premature, irregular echocardiograms that shortens their lifespan or turning them infertile or making their babies stillborn. You bet your ass one point, doing that to 1.6 million people is worthy of a trial, putting you on trial for your life. Hell yeah. It is. And now and that think, you're on that, by the way, Steve, you know, I have coming out right now. You guys could find at conservativereview.com my latest column because you can't find it at The Blaze, where I quantify this latest Thai study and I go in depth about quantifying subclinical myocarditis. Because remember, all signs are pointing towards the fact that even though the number of shots has really, really gone down, obviously relative to 2021, but the number of sudden deaths are going up. And the best explanation is subclinical myocarditis being the tip of the iceberg or the clinical part being tip of the iceberg. This is the ticking time bomb going kinetic suddenly. And guess what? There's over 50,000, about 51,000 reports of myocarditis in theirs. Even CDC researchers in JAMA said, oh, that's likely, likely is a quote, underreported for a number mm. of reasons. But so, I mean, very few, I know most most myocarditis people tell me about, it was, it was not reported to theirs. But so that's not the scope of clinical level. But let's just say it is. It's not. FDA says from smallpox vaccine, gee, I never knew that, but now we know, it had a 60 to 1 ratio of subclinical to clinical. You do the math with that, that's going to put you over 3 million subclinical, yeah. and that yeah. is, by the way, again, underreported. Oh, and another thing is, we all saw, and you mentioned this, I saw on your show, I forgot to mention it, but you guys probably saw, there's data out from Israel that the disability claims more than doubled from its baseline Yeah, it's more than 100% increase. Yeah, more than 100% increase. And 2022 increase. will probably be a little bit more than that. If you look at the math, if you take the excess raw numbers, if you, per so far, about a year and a half worth of excess and I did the math before the show. It would be something like do 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 seventy five eighty thousand, and you whatever it is, you multiply it by thirty six. I want to say, which is how how much larger America is than Israel. You would get three point one million. Now, Steve, if you remember, we seem to find a two point one million increase in disability claims in one year. 3.1 is about a year and a half of Israel's data, almost jiving perfectly, just hit me before the show. <laughs> but again, this is, there's a group of us nerds that know this, but then sometimes you sit down with people and well-intentioned, they don't know any of this. And I think if, the, the, yeah. thir the, the third point I wanted to make, I think will we'll explain what, what you're pointing out. There, there, you know, for me going through this experience with you the last six months, and, you know, and I mean, we have all the audio of all these interviews. We have everything captured, everybody on the record. So by all means, come, come after us. We are prepared. Okay. Everybody's on the record. No one's anonymous. We have everybody recorded with their consent. We've backed it. We've got all the backups here. And when we did these interviews, um, you did most of the talking because frankly, I just sat here, even as someone who knows all this data, just gobsmacked to hear story after. I didn't even know what to say. I, I mean, I'm just, yeah. I mean, I was just sit listening to these people tell their stories 
of, of the injustices that they had either witnessed or had been subjected to. And I had no way, I, I mean, I, I don't even, I couldn't even compute a lot of these stories. And, and, and there was a juncture when you and I kind of checked in with one another, we got about halfway through this project and we were kind of, Hey, what do we need to do? And where do we need to go? I don't even know if you remember this. You said something to me. Uh, and, and I've mentioned this to my audience. I said, you, you said something to me, go, you, you know, this probably isn't the first time they've done something like this. Mm. And I, man, I, I mean, I, that, you know, I felt like donkey, you cut me deep Shrek. Okay. I mean, I felt like you kind of kicked me right in the manlies with that. And, and I kind of, you know, thought about it for a few seconds. And I'm like, no, it's really hard to believe they did something like this. And this is the first time they've done it. Okay. And, and I think that right there, like when, when I, when I took just that one data point from Australia, just one prorated it for Glenn. And then you came on right after me and talked about, it's not, it's not, it's not that they just did this with the vaccines. They did it with everything, COVID and everything. When you put all those numbers together, it's so mind blowing and so terrible and so traumatic that, that you, you don't even want to compute it, brother, because you're like, this has to be avenged. I mean, who's, and who's good at, who has the political will who has the testicular fortitude to actually do the avenging? And I think that a lot of people don't want to consider the kinds of questions that, that we're going to prompt here because the full scope of what has gone on, they just don't even want to imagine they're living in those kinds of times. And you know what? That is not unique. All throughout history, um, no one ever wanted to env- – no one wanted to envision they were living in the time – of Nebuchadnezzar. No one wanted to envision they were living in the time that the Visigoths came over the wall. No one wanted to envision the time that they were living through Pearl Harbor. All right. And and I think that that's what's so devastating to a lot of our people is what is if if this data is true and I acknowledge it, then I have to acknowledge something far bigger yes. than I have ever been willing to acknowledge really, in my entire life. So there, there's one technical problem with that acknowledgement. I, I firmly believe there are people that absolutely planned it for a long time, knew about it, and this was all part of a plan. Now, pinning down who exactly that is, you need an investigation. Right. And Glenn asked us an interesting question. I want I want to see if you could answer it today. I know you. we, we got to get you on your show. A couple minutes left. Um, okay, Based on what we're saying and what we see, especially the documents about the clinical trial, they had to have seen the problems. So if you're a Fauci, if you are, you know, HHS secretary, if you're, you know, Nancy Pelosi caliber, these people, we're all laughing. Ha, you got four shots. You got COVID anyway. Yada, yada. Some people are like, well, I don't think they got it. They faked it. So Glenn was like, well, I mean, are you saying they faked it? Or, I mean, why would they get it if they're trying to? We're saying they committed genocide. Now, it's, mm-hmm. you have to know who they are. He committed genocide by allowing it to continue. I'm not I'm not saying Fauci for sure knew. I don't even think he's necessarily the top guy. I think it's a little bit more CIA defense that, you know, he funded it definitely. Um, but the specifics, I don't know if he knew the what, where, when exactly. He certainly knows what we know now and when it happened, and he continued and allowed it to happen. It's genocide in that sense. But could you answer that question? Is it that – do we think these guys faked it, or did these guys 
they themselves are sucked into such a religion that if you were a typical scientist and you were looking at the data, you'd be like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, again, it's like if you're a Jew on the eighth day, your kid's going to get that circumcision. The answer to your question is yes, but I think it's more religious. I don't know if you or your audience is familiar with a, a show from a few years ago by on Amazon that is absolutely brilliant and called The Man in the High Castle. And the, the, the gist of the show is that the Nazis have won World War II. And the main character, you follow his family. Uh, they are essentially uh, the, uh, the Nazi ubermensch over the United States of America. And these video files these emerge of the U.S. actually and the Allies winning World War II. And they're trying to figure out where these things come from. Because Hitler is concerned that they will inspire a second, you know, uh, you know, a, a next generation. We're into the 1960s now, a new generation to rise up and revolt against the Reich. Uh, and then you end up finding out that it's, an, you know, it's kind of a multiverse alternative history. But one of the one of the key subplots in the story is that the main character, played by Rufus Sowell, who is the Ubermensch for the Nazis over the U.S., his oldest son, his pride and joy. Uh, heading into, uh, I think it's his junior or senior in high school, develops a, uh, a spinal disease, kind of a, a proto version of a Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, where he begins losing control of his motor functions and those sorts of things. And obviously, he is now a useless eater. He has to be put down according to their own dogma. And and now he really wrestles with whether he's going to be He's going to subject himself to the very religion and dogma because Nazism is that you see in the show. It's a church. It's a religion. You go to church. You go to the old Christian churches, the old Jewish synagogues. You worship Hitler there as Messiah. Um, I mean, it's very, very well done in parts in terms of depicting the worldview at stake. And he really wrestles with how much does he really, truly believe this and whether he's going to put his own son up on the altar but the re- but I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. I think I think I, I don't think Nancy Pelosi is any kind of mastermind whatsoever. I, I, Nancy Pelosi went on James Corden while the rest of the country is locked down, wondering if they're ever going to have a home or a job again, showing her designer ice cream. I, I don't think these people are this level of diabolical. I think we're talking about things that are truly demonic. That maybe there are a few people that uh, on, that the within the inner core who truly are the acolytes, who truly yeah. are devoted. And then most of what we see are the Rufus Soul characters and Man in the High Castle, which is they jumped on the bandwagon. This looked like the winning team. Rufus Soul was originally an American fighter in World War II, saw that his character was, saw that the Nazis were going to win, and went Benedict Arnold and flipped, okay, to cut his deal. I think that's who most people are. All right, I don't think most people in the Valley have been hidden to cast their babies into the fire to Malok. I don't think most of them actually had a Malok idol on the banister when they got back home. I just think, I don't, you know, that's what everybody else is doing. I don't want to be left out. I lack the courage of my own convictions. I'm not my own person. I want to show that I will bow to the next current thing in the spirit of the age. I want to have friends. I want to be relevant. I want to be accepted. And I think that's what drives most of this. That's what drives going back to Alfie Evans in that London hospital. No doctor, no nurses said, I'm resigning. I'm not starving a child. We haven't seen any of that throughout almost any of this. Okay. 
Uh, we've had, we, we, you know, there, there, there's the there's the Molly Jameses of the world. There should have been hundreds of them. Yep. Okay. And and so I think it. I think you're just talking about human beings need to belong, Daniel. They need to belong. They need relationship. They they need to believe they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And if it's not going to be the one true God sovereign over the universe, then they will create false gods here within this third rock from the sun to worship and belong to instead. That's that's where it is, folks. Steve, I know you got to run. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's make this a regular occurrence again every day, 12 to 2 Eastern time is when you can catch the show. Make sure you are a Blaze TV subscriber. And again, trialsandexecution.com for the pre-order and first chapter. Steve, see you, see you later. You got it, brother. Always good to talk to you. God bless. Take care. So again, that was the one and only Steve Dace. There's no one quite like him. And I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because hopefully the fact that he was on today's show means he won't listen to it because he was on it. I hope he doesn't listen to it. But just so you know, one of the conversations we had when he came to me, one of his motivations was he felt that my work is not being promoted enough. And, and that just, you know, so in case anyone thinks, oh, you know, yeah, you know, you're trying to, you know, it's all about money and whatever, or, um, okay, maybe you're not, but what about Steve's about it? No, Steve actually, he really did it for me. Um, that's why he called me. That's why he tried to convince me to do it. And um, he's always, always been a good ally and, and he gets it. You know, he always gets it. He gets that big picture. Um, I, I I know I threw in very quickly a couple of data points I don't have time to elaborate on, but this is shocking what is happening. It is shocking how we peel back and we see monkeypox and smallpox, or at least certain versions of the smallpox vaccine, were openly very, very unsafe. And it makes you wonder, again, who's the, how long has this been done to us? The fact that I never heard about it is bunk. It's garbage because as, as up on things as I am, every day I l- learn new things that I'm shocked that I never heard of. And, and, and you need that humility, humility to learn new things. You need a heart to have empathy, to listen to other people's stories. Don't automatically dismiss just because it's too emotionally or intellectually painful to expand your horizons and, and learn something that might shatter a certain caricature of the world that you developed and it's too intellectually satisfying to uh, diminish that or to alter it in any way that is what we need from people we need to reinvent the wheel we need to understand this is the fourth reich we we it needs nuremberg style punishment nuremberg style uh movement uh bioethics code and action plan so again trials and execution.com is where you can pick it up you will truly be an ambassador we are trumping tim scott's book with all of his fox news promotion this is how we beat them um i want to just close with something steve did say i wanted him to elaborate on but he had to go to do a show he said yesterday that this is the most important book he's ever written and probably will be the most important book he will ever write. And the reason why, as he said, is because by definition, if I ever, if there is ever something worse than this, we won't be able to write about it. 
And, and that was a really profound statement. And that kind of captures the essence of the book, what I've been trying to do the last two and a half years, and everything we're up against, and everything we need to plan anew. In that, it's not like this is the worst thing you could ever conjure up, although I can't conjure up worse at this point and never did. But it is the worst we've ever had. Everything else coming from it, occurring flows from it. And guess what? If it does get worse, you won't be able to do this. You won't be able to do this. And really, the fact that that Steve and I have such loyal, smart audiences, and 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 again, I, I want to give credit to Glenn. I mean, without him giving us a full hour yesterday, it wouldn't have rocketed up to the top. Um, you know, we would have nowhere to turn. I mean, I'm off Twitter now. And obviously, you know, we 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 don't have Fox or you know Newsmax even, and that whole circuit or some of the other you know Sean Hannity type of talk shows or the radio shows, we don't have that. So this, you know, right now they're censoring it. I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon takes it down, which is why you always have the landing page trials and execution.com. But folks, send me an email, danielhorowitz at startmail.com. I know it's, it is very busy. I apologize. I can't respond to all of them. I do see most of them, um, but I do respond to a lot of them as well. C19 Truth Bombs on Telegram is the main place I'm going to communicate throughout the day with you. So make sure you get a Telegram account. It's really the third largest social media platform now, and um, it's it's fully free. You know, It's probably probably the best one out there. So folks, this is what it's about. Freedom or fracture, okay? Either we finally fight for freedom and don't get distracted and harness this week where people are finally red-pilled and, and get the Fourth Reich and we fix it or we're going to have to fracture. But one thing I don't want to stay is unfractured under the dominion of the Fourth Reich. That is not an option, and that is my commitment. I will fight against that. Folks, till tomorrow, God bless y'all. Thank you for listening, and stay empowered, informed, and keeping the fight.